0: It's the Americhicks with Kim Monson.
1: Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal.
0: The most important
2: story.
1: The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump.
2: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal.
0: And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead.
1: Because ideas matter.
0: It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation.
1: Indeed. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, and let's have a conversation. My friends, we need to be talking with each other. We need to understand why we believe what we believe and then be able to articulate that with friends, family, and colleagues. Uh, So be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, Thank you to my team, producer Steve, social media guru Zach, SoundCloud expert Keith, and researcher Patty. Uh, All these people are working very hard. We're working to bring forth truth for you to arm yourself in this big battle of ideas. And uh, speaking of big battle of ideas, last night was our Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth. Our study of the Federalist Papers was at uh, Centennial's uh, Water's Edge Winery. And uh, Dr. Tom Cranawitter has put together a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers because we need to know why we believe what, what we believe. And so Vino and Veritas Centennial... It's basically sold out. However, from time to time, we do have some extra tickets. So if you're feeling lucky, be sure and uh, let us know. Email me at americhicks.com slash Kim. And uh, we meet the fourth Monday of each month. And the great news is, is Vino and Veritas Castle Rock starts this next Sunday night. And, uh, so, uh, would recommend again that you go to my, uh, go to merichicks.com slash Kim and let us know if you are interested in signing up for Vino and Veritas Castle Rock. And then we've had high demand up in Northern Colorado and we hope to get that one kicked off sometime in May. Our presenting sponsors in January at the Water's Edge Winery was, uh, Harmony Ridge Construction, Rafe Patton and his whole team building homes and usually making friends in the process. February's presenting sponsor was Susan Kochivar. She's the owner of the Historic 88 Drive-In Theater. And she will be opening April 5th with Shazam. And March's presenting sponsor last night was Heidi Gandahl and her Free to Be Coalition promoting free speech and diversity of thought on college campuses. So, uh, again, if you'd like more information, if you'd like to be a presenting sponsor, uh, go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim and fill out the form. Uh so first thing a little inspiration and Helen Keller many of you know her story and and you know I think some of the younger people may not. Uh she was born as a healthy child in Alabama in 1880 and her father's side was descended from a uh, colonial governor of Virginia and on her mother's side she was related to a number of uh prominent New England families. Uh The family was quite wealthy, and after the Civil War, the family lost most of their wealth, and they lived modestly. At the age of 19 months, Ellen Keller became deaf and blind as a result of an unknown illness. And maybe it was rubella or scarlet fever. And uh, as she grew from infancy into childhood, she became wild and unruly. And so I would have you check out the movie The Miracle Worker. I know that a lot of kids are on spring break this week. And so that might be something good to do as a family. But Helen Keller, uh, it's an amazing story. But she said, keep your face to sunshine and you cannot see the shadows. And I think that that's a very inspirational word or words for us today. Uh, Regarding today's uh, chuckles. Oh, boy. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Steve, I know you're excited. Here's three phrases of wisdom, okay? For every action, there is an equal and opposite government program. (laughs) Number two, if you like your passport picture, you probably need a trip. (laughs) And number three, why is it that bills travel through the mail at twice the speed of checks? There you have it. Oh, Steve, that's so mean. <laughs> okay, let's jump into some headlines here. And then uh, after that, we're going to start to focus in segments two, three, and four. I have my good friend, patriotic historian, former Army Ranger. Uh, ben Martin is in studio with me. And we're going to talk about the Federalist Papers. Uh, gonna, we're going to try to talk about one through 14 like we did last night at Vino and Veritas. But before we do that... There are a couple of headlines that I think you both that you all need to be aware of. First of all, Mitch McConnell uh, is going to put the Green New Deal to a vote today, forcing Democrats to go on record. I think this is a very important. uh, It's a political move in some ways, but I think it's so important, Steve.
2: The word ambivalent is a Mm love-hate relationship with a a topic, Mm -hmm. whatever. In this case, it's politics, and I am, you know, ambivalent. (laughs) i got to confess, this one I kind of like because it's, it's, it's hilarious to see how it's going to go down. Now, if my cor- uh, count is correct, there are six U.S. senators currently running for president. Booker, Gillibrand, Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Warren. Now, the whole, right out of McConnell's mouth, I mean, the whole reason behind doing this is to get them on the record on the new Green Deal.
1: And what it looks like, though, is that many of them are going to vote present. <clears throat> and oh. when I yeah, and that's no guts. You know, take a stand. Now, they're going to say that they don't know, you know, everything that's in there, but there's going to be a piece of legislation in front of them that they will be able to vote on. And uh, when I was on city council, one of my first votes, I, was I didn't quite agree with it, and I, I thought, well, I'll just vote present. And our, our city manager said, you have to take a stand. It's either yes or no, and I thought that was really, really good advice. So if they vote present, they're va- basically voting no.
2: All right. Well, the, the again, there's so much drama present. The tweets that were went out from one from McConnell, the other one from AOC, uh, not to be confused with Amy Oliver Cook.
1: The really smart, the yeah, really, the, yeah, the
2: other AOC, yeah, the original. So McConnell says, I could not be more <laughs> glad that the American people will have the opportunity to learn precisely where each one of our senators stand on the New Green Deal, a radical, top-down socialist makeover of the entire U.S. economy.
1: Well, and you know what? I think I said I, I, I misspoke. So the vote will either be yes or no. They may vote present. If they vote present, in essence, they are, are voting for the New Green Deal. And this is important to get this on record. Mm-hmm. And then we have to continue to to dissect what this, this actual deal says, and how it will affect the flourishing, the thriving, the prosperity of everyday Americans. And we need to be able then to articulate that with, you know, many young people think, ah, you know, that sounds like a great deal, you know, uh, protect the environment. But but what's so interesting is, is many of these people that, quote, talk about protecting the environment, Al Gore, I mean, there's so many you can choose. The elites they still fly around in their their planes, they still turn on all their lights, they still you know drive around in you know motorcades full of cars. and so the point is is if this was really true, if they really believed that we were having such an issue with climate change, then they would change what they're doing their so own,
2: their own behavior yeah, yeah,
1: so in essence it either it doesn't matter or
2: it's not true. Well then not to be outdone, AOC tweets out. The GOP's whole game of wasting votes in Congress to target others on the record. For legislation they have no intent to pass is a disgrace. Stop wasting the American people's time and learn to govern. Our jobs aren't for campaigning, and that's exactly what these bluff votes are for. Strange.
1: That's really interesting. When all that they have done for the last two years is, uh, with the Mueller investigation, instead of, uh, you know, working on governing... They have uh, had an agenda. In fact, now some of them are going to be you know, working on impeachment instead of governing. So they say that they're there to govern, and they use that conveniently, but they're not at all.
2: You and I have discussed it. I, last week we had the same discussion. As a citizen, I keep waiting now. I've been waiting for 30 years to govern, for government to do something good for me instead of good for themselves, instead of doing things that basically only ensure their next power grab. And, you know, here, here's another one. This is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Green New Deal has been tagged, you know, beyond the, the socialistic implications. This is nothing more for more government. So,
1: Well, and when we talk about, Steve, and this is a great segue into talking about the Federalist Papers, when we talk about government doing something good for me, what that actually means is government should be out of the way. Government should make sure, you know, we used to we used to call our police officers um, peace officers instead of law enforcement. And so keeping the peace, making sure that people are in an environment where they can go after their hopes and dreams. Government is supposed to be limited. And when we talk about doing something good for you, that is to try to hold the forces that want to take away your freedom, that want to have their hands in your pocket, uh, to keep that limited. And uh, as you mentioned, we have all these special interests that have now figured out how to use government to um, you know, to really stifle our, our, our prosperity, our ability to flourish and thrive.
2: I need to maybe choose my words more carefully. Uh, that phrase, do something good for me, that's I'm not talking about some kind of... Taking money yeah, from somebody else and giving yeah, it to freebies you. <laughs> stuff, just the fundamentals of government right. uh, that are going by the wayside. I read another piece over the weekend about the precarious situation that Social Security is in. And why? Because of so much has been done to take away from it.
1: Well, yeah, the Social Security uh, Trust Fund, basically, it was raided. Uh, and so there is no money there. And, and what we're now relying on is our young people to pay for the baby boomers. And the baby boomers have said, you know, and I, I get this. They say, hey, I've paid in. They, the implication of them is is that this has been a savings account for them. Well, the savings account was raided. And now we're looking to young people to actually um, backflow all, all of the money that the baby boomers are going to be taking out. And one other thing, Steve, is baby boomers. It's been the baby boomers generation that we've had Roe versus Wade. And basically, we have aborted a whole generation of young people. And uh, and these are people that actually now baby boomers wish that they were there so that they could pay for their Social Security. It's all very selfish, and it's all very wrong.
2: The, uh, what's, this, what's the phrase? The chickens have come home to roost? Yeah, they have. That's
1: that's for sure. So I have one other headline, but I think what we'll do is we will go to break. And because it is an excellent segue into the subject of the Federalist Papers, uh, but you're not going to believe this. There is a professor at CU Denver. Uh, he is a professor of American political thought. And he is removing all reference to all white men in the curriculum. So the Declaration of Independence is out. The Constitution is out. I mean, it's astounding. But before we do that, it's March, and it is March Madness, and Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. And the Nuggets are bringing it on, and the Avs, they're dancing around a playoff spot, and Major League Baseball starts at the end of this week. So Hooters is the place to watch all the games. Wednesday is wing day and all the wings you can eat for 14.99 they have these great smoked wings they're delectable only half the calories and you can have hooters wings delivered right to your front door when i have the girls over on wednesday nights i have hooters new smoked wings delivered to the door the kids or the girls love them and so order your hooters wings to go have them delivered right to your front door or go to a hooters to watch the great games and more information visit hooters Colorado.com, that's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the Americhicks. Now, when we come back, uh, we've got Ben Martin in studio. We're going to be talking about the Federalist Papers. And we want to unwind this professor at CU Denver on this whole American political thought uh, class. And I think maybe parents need to start to revisit whether or not they're going to send their kids to college. And I think that we need to start to shut down the money coming from the state legislature as well. So this is Kim Munson. We'll be right back.
0: All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com.
2: Award-winning realtor Karen
1: Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at
3: 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Oh, I love that.
1: Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, dissecting issues as, as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have these conversations. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Greatly appreciated if you will like and follow me. I'm offering you a conservatarian perspective. And as you listen to all of these different sponsors uh, throughout my show... I know each of these people personally, and uh, they are the reason that I am on the air, because I I have the great freedom. I buy my my airtime, which is great, because I have editorial control over what we talk about. However, that means also that... um, You know, I have to pay the bills, and I, uh, so I find these great sponsors. And if you would like to be a sponsor, help support the show, I greatly appreciate it. But each one of these people I know uh, personally and highly recommend them. So when you're thinking about uh, doing some kind of business, I'd love it if you would check them out. So let's jump into. uh, ben Martin, first of all, it's great to have you in studio with me.
0: I'm really happy to be here, and always happy to talk about the Federalist Papers. But happy to be with you and Steve. Yeah, this
1: and February was uh, the, uh, George Washington's birthday and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. We should actually have TV because you are are sporting an Abraham Lincoln beard.
0: I've done a lot of Abraham Lincoln things this this last month and this month too. So yeah, okay. okay. Um, well, it's, I'll it's, be removing it pretty soon. Pretty soon.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here, and I think I think this is just so interesting. Uh, Dr. Tom Cranowitter mentioned this to me last night, and I, I see this, this, uh, this headline. And this is from the College Fix. It says American Political Thought Course at CU Denver removes all white men from the curriculum. And the professor is Chad Shamira, and he has uh, in his syllabus, he says, This course aims to develop an understanding of American political life from the margins. Rather than surveying traditional figures of American political thought, it attends to historically marginalized voices, and then it talks about all the intersectionality that they're trying to to go through. The student that wrote this uh, article is Anof Kalem, I believe. Sorry on the pronunciation on that. And he said... His excitement about taking the, the course quickly soured when he realized that they were taking out all the achievements of white men. So that meant there would be no mention of George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or James Madison or Alexander Hamilton, not to mention Locke or Rousseau, none of that. That is absolutely astounding to me. So first thing, you know, we used to think that college was the place that kids could go to to, uh, to gain the skills, to get better jobs to be able to, you know, have the tools to thrive and prosper and to kick the tires on all these different ideas. And so when you start to basically censor part of that, and because of a political ideology or a political um, agenda that we see here, And then the other thing that's astounding to me is parents and families are paying big bucks to these professors to do this. We have this discussion all the time down at the Statehouse about money for education. I think that we need to start to dry that up. Now, Steve, you look like you have
2: something you want to say. Give give me the title of this course again, please.
1: It is American Political Thought.
2: All right. I'm not a big fan of Star Trek and Spock and all that, but that is so illogical. (laughs) How in the world can you, can you flesh out a course curriculum without, you know, by basically pushing history aside like that or right. at least pushing a large part of it aside? So you use the word agenda, obviously. Right.
1: And, you know, okay, so let's talk about the Declaration of Independence. And in there they have the beautiful words that every individual has the, the inalienable right to of life liberty and pursuit of happiness they're not saying any descriptor there's no intersectionality now it took us a little while to get it all figured out but it was astounding that this little you know these 13 colonies hanging on the eastern ste- seaboard came up and they founded this country on an idea and that all men are created equal and when they say men they mean mankind yeah. Uh, and so let's, let's jump in here, uh, Ben, because you have such a heart for all of this. And uh, we have the Declaration of Independence, which was put in place by a bunch of old white guys. Yeah. We have the Constitution that was put in place by a bunch of old white guys. Uh, now, the Civil War, you know, there were a bunch of white guys on both sides that were fighting You know, World War I, World War II, these generally were a bunch of white guys that were standing up against tyranny. This is so dishonest of what is happening at at CU Denver here. And, again, we need to start to to pull the money back on this kind of stuff because this is crazy. But we're going to go to the Federalist Papers and give us a little history. We talked about this last month, but let's give a little bit of
0: uh, overview of the Federalist Papers. Well, the Federalist Papers, as we talked about before when we were – you know we we talk about those great principles, and I think those principles are timeless and universal that come out of the Declaration of Independence, which is what we base the founding of our country on, and that was also the basis for the the constitution but But this is where we 're fallible you know and, and that 's really important, and it has to be learned that our our founders weren't perfect. They had imperfections. And when they first established their or declared our, de- our independence, then right away they were given the, the assignment to go do their constitutions for their states and then to come up with a constitution for the United States. And they, the first thing they came up with, and it was because of reaction, and it was because they weren't using proper reasoning. They had the the right foundation, the right principles upon which to declare it, but they were so they were so uh, negative towards this tyrannical mm-hmm. government that they had had from Great Britain that they went in the opposite direction. You know, when we talk about the pendulum swings, and so it went from all the way from this tyrannical government of Great Britain all the way to these these articles of confederation, which was probably the weakest. You know, they went from a really strong central government run by a monarch and a parliament all the way to this other one, which was this confederation, the articles of confederations where... There was our, our central government was so weak. So we went from strong central government to weak central government. And it collapsed on us. It almost collapsed. It almost caused us to lose everything that we had gained during the revolution.
1: So in the Articles of Confederation, what, it, it was put in place for about 10 years. Is that right? Or?
0: Well, it, you know, it came went right after 76. They told them to start working on it. And by 77, they had written it. But it, but it took until 81 1781 until they actually had ratified it but during that time they were still using it to to govern our country and and it was so it was all the states it was centered on the states our our constitution is centered upon the people you know the, our constitution works on the people and with the people in the states or you know, that's a part of federalism where they also share government with us. Right. Okay. But it's all based upon the rights of the people and then the good of the common the common community. So We went from this this one thing where it was all states and it was no central government. Our Our country, our government couldn't get money from the states. It could beg for it. And that's why we almost lost. If it wouldn't have been for Benjamin Franklin and John Morris, we would have probably lost the revolution. But because they got money, Benjamin Franklin got a tremendous amounts of money and equipments from france that kept us in the war and john morris gave money to george washington a few times in critical needs when we without that money we wouldn't have had those victories and we probably wouldn't have won the war
1: Right and in Washington, there were times where he wasn't even they weren't congress was not even paying the soldiers
0: they weren't paying the soldiers at all, and when the Battle of Trenton, which turned our our whole fortunes around, we were about ready to lose you know our the morale in the country and among the army was really bad. He wanted to to make this this great uh, this great ch- uh, choice of a battle you know mm-hmm. choose a battle, surprise the British and uh, push them out of New Jersey. And the only way he could do that was have John Morris come with a bag of silver and give every man ten dollars in silver to keep them in the army because they were going to they were going to leave the army right after the first of the year right okay and and so he couldn't do that they and people were leaving and he so he came down with a bag of money and he gave it to them from philadelphia gave it to the soldiers so they could do it and the same thing happened in yorktown you know George Washington and the uh, French Army, and the American Army, were up in New York. And to get that army moved along the land from New York down, and he did it surreptitiously down to engage in the Battle of Yorktown, he had to have money because he didn't have any money to move him. He didn't have any money to feed the troops. And so John Morris again came and gave his personal money. And if you don't know, J- John Morris, after the so after the Revolutionary War, he ended up in debtor's prison, probably one of the richest men in the, in the colonies at the time, and he ended up in debtor's prison because the government never paid him back. The government never paid Benjamin Franklin back either. They didn't pay back a lot of people that yeah. they should have.
1: Okay. Now, we're going to go to break, and I, we're going to talk Federalist Papers, but... I would like you to describe the Battle of Trenton just a bit, because that is such a fascinating battle. I'd be happy to. So we will talk about that. And then the Federalist Papers was put in place to to make the case for the Constitution, and we're going to get to that as well. But uh, before we do that, speaking of of money and investing, uh, clearly John Moore's invested in America, but Jason McBride is somebody that helps you invest your nest egg. So Jason McBride, how are you doing this morning?
4: Hey, I'm doing good. Michael Avenatti's going to jail. It's a (laughs) wonderful
1: day. Ah, that was quite a news day yesterday. We didn't even mention that. It was just unbelievable. So yeah. Uh, yeah,
4: yeah. I figured you'd come in with uh, another one bites the dust as your music. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll just get one every day now.
1: You know what? That'd I see Steve's making notes on your your music selection. That's <laughs> that's awesome. So, but Jason McBride, some of the big indexes that people watch every day are the Dow, the S and P, and the Nasdaq. What's really the difference between these, and and do they behave differently?
4: You know, that's a really good question, Kim. While most of the stocks tend to follow the general direction of the markets, uh, the indexes are a bit different. The S&P 500 is 500 of the biggest U.S. companies. It's widely used as the measuring stick for the health of the markets overall. And then you've got the NASDAQ composite. That's over 3,300 companies. And it's always thought of as kind of containing more high-growth names.
1: Okay, but what about the NASDAQ 100, and how is that different than just the NASDAQ?
4: Well, that's a good question, too, Kim. The NASDAQ 100 is a hundred of very large non-financial companies, so you don't have any banks or financials in there, uh, it's got a really large weighting to tech, and in fact, the top seven stocks in that 100 stock index make up half the weight of the whole thing. So you got Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, right there's 40%. And then Facebook, Intel, and Cisco round up another 10%. So that that brings us to half the total.
1: Wow. Okay. So when people invest in the fund for the NASDAQ 100, like the triple Qs, their fortunes pretty much depend on just a few stocks. The other 95 or so, like the B-sides on our old 45 records, that's dating ourselves, Jason. Oh, <laughs> well, my gosh. Well,
4: uh, I think we know who who's listening to the show for the most part. <laughs> They'll understand. And, uh <laughs> Yeah, and that's a really good point, uh, you know, a lot of the the, the, the stocks, and there are kind of like the B-side with these big ones carrying all the weight, uh, so that's a good point. One more index that doesn't get mentioned as often, which is the Russell 2000, and that's really diversified across 2,000 smaller, or what you would hear them say, small cap companies.
1: Okay, so, but what makes the Dow unique? It seems like that's the main one that always gets all of the headlines.
4: Well, it does get top billing, and I guess seniority has its privileges, Kim, because the Dow's been around since 1896. And what makes it unique is all the other indexes we've mentioned are what are called capitalization-weighted. So capitalization is the total number of shares a company has out, multiplied by the current share price so you remember a few months ago when the big news was that Apple was now a trillion-dollar company yeah they weren't talking about its sales or its assets they were just talking about how much all the Apple shares in existence were worth at that moment because the price had gone up so much
1: okay but the Dow is different
4: it is the Dow is unique in that it is a price weighted index It only has 30 stocks, and the stock with the highest share price gets the biggest weight in the Dow. So it could be a company that's much smaller, but they haven't split their stock or their stock price just happens to be higher. So that one gets the most weight. Uh, it's more old school too, as far as the companies. Yeah, I mean you got Apple in there and a few other high techs, but you also get a lot of familiar names in there like McDonald's, Caterpillar, uh, Coca Cola's in there, Disney, Walmart, those type.
1: Okay, so Apple is not the king of the hill in the Dow, then?
4: It's definitely not. The top three are Boeing, United Health, and 3M. Uh, Boeing shares are at 370 a share. United Health is a distant second at 247, and 3M's at 203. And Kim Boeing makes up almost 10 percent wow. of the entire Dow. So if it has a bad day, the Dow's probably going to have a bad day as well. And that's why the last couple of weeks the Dow's been a little pukey compared to <laughs> some of the yeah. other indexes because Boeing's been having their trouble. Sure. Uh, you know, I would just finish up with saying a lot of people say it doesn't do any good to watch the Dow. It's only 30 stocks. Uh, I still think how 30 of the biggest companies in the world are doing does have some meaning.
1: Well, that seems to make a lot of sense, Jason. So I really appreciate these conversations. I think our listeners, I know I learn a lot from this. And so if you would like to have another set of eyes on your, your nest egg. Jason and the guys and gals over at Presidential Wealth Management would be able and, and very happy to help you with that. So check out chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com or the phone number over there is 303-694-1600. 303-694-1600. And we will talk to you soon, but are you going to take a few days off?
4: yes you 'll have a uh, uh, John Buckingham in for the next three days, so uh you know i 'm sure he's going to do so good you probably won't want <laughs> me back and uh, so it's been nice it's been nice <laughs> to the listeners everybody and uh You know, I'll see you in the next life, maybe.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, we will talk to you next Monday, okay, Jason McBride?
4: All right, Kim. Have a good one.
1: Okay, you have a great day. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. Ben Martin is in studio. We're talking about the Federalist Papers. We want to hear about the Battle of Trenton. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating, and you really bring it to life. So
3: uh, we will be right back with Ben Martin. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. No the dust. You're pretty fast, Producer
1: Steve. Oh boy, showing off this morning. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson dissecting the issues, the news, politics and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation and offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me Ben Martin, good friend, former Army Ranger, patriotic historian. You've, you've done some classes. I took a couple of classes that just brought all these stories alive. And I want to talk about the story of Trenton. But before we did that, you just mentioned that you, you're like, I don't understand this professor at CU Denver taking out all reference to white. That seems really racist to me. To take out, because you are white, we can't talk about. I mean, that seems really racist. But anyway, you had a, a comment.
0: Well, I just said he's, he's talking. You said the class's name is American Political Thought. When we talk about American Political Thought, we talk about this, what we're talking about right now. the Clinton Rossiter said that the Philip Federalist Papers, the most important work in political science that has ever been written or is likely to ever be written in the United States. That was written by white guys, well, you know, that's who we had most of the time was running the government at that mm-hmm. time. That's just the way things were. But these were some really impressive guys, and, and they wrote this. This thing called the Federalist Papers, which kind of explained mm-hmm. not only what the what the founders or the framers were thinking about when they wrote it and framed the Constitution, but what the people were thinking about when they ratified the Constitution. Our Constitution was ratified by everybody, and one of the great uh, political quotes I think of in the in the Federalist, and we're not going to talk about it today, but it said, you know, that the the important distinction between a government between a government that has a constitution which is written, which is made by the people and not changeable by the government, and a law that's that's written by the government and changeable by the government. They said that... Important distinction is little known and less practiced in any other country but the United States of America. And, you know, we have all this innovation. In fact, we talk about it a little bit in this segment. We have all this innovation, this new science of government. And They talk about it in, in Federalist 9 that we're going to talk about a little bit here. And it lists all of those things, the separation of powers, the checks and balances, mm-hmm. the federal, the federal form of government, the federal republic. You know, th- those kind of things weren't mentioned there. In fact, they were kind of mentioned against by Montesquieu and all the other mm-hmm. political philosophers at the time. So this changed what government was, and it made government, like you said before, the people's power come from from the creator. And then the people give certain powers to the government so that it can protect those rights that we get from the, the government, that we get from the God, from God, from the almighty providence. And so... That is a complete different thinking that was going on at the time, and that that gave us what we have today. The you know what uh, what uh, was Calvin Coolidge said, "This is a, the the greatest political privilege ever granted to the human race to live under the U.S. It, Constitution." It's,
1: it truly, truly is, and it's so under assault right now because because if we are sending our kids to universities. And we and, and I'm doing a lot on education and uh, had uh, a guest on recently. She's written a book, What Parents Don't Know That Your Kids Don't Know. We are assuming that when they go to college and you hear American political thought, you're thinking that you're going to talk about the Declaration, the Constitution, you know, and, and the, federalist ki- the Federalist Papers to kick kick the tires on these ideas and uh, to, to just. Take that all out because somebody with a certain race wrote it. It is astounding to me. And so, my friends, I think we need to start to revisit what we spend on uh, higher education. Because if you take a look at uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she has a degree from Boston University. In economics, economics yeah. if you can believe it. I can't. And I don't know who paid for her education, but I think that they should get their money back. And So let's jump in here, though. Okay. Uh, a couple of things. The Federalist Papers that we are reading, this is uh, uh, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay wrote it. But yeah. the, uh, we're reading the Signet Classic. It's by the introductions by Charles Kessler and edited by Clinton Rossiter. And in it, it the back, it has the Constitution. It has the Declaration. It actually has the Articles of Confederation. But the Constitution starts with we the people.
0: We the people. We
1: the people. And that's so unique.
0: And that's a really unique copy of the Constitution because it has in parentheses in the sides the the parts or the the essays in in this book in the federalist papers as to what applies to that part of the constitution it's it's a great tool i mean there are so many great tools in this book and for only five dollars you can't believe it you know this is a book that everyone should have in their library and everyone should learn about this well that's uh, why we're doing the show and you know the, what what was said right after the constitution was done james wilson gave a, a big speech right right outside of the Independence Hall when he gave that. And, and one of the big points that he made was he said, something cannot become an object of your heart until it first becomes an object of your mind. And, and that's the thing right now. It means you have to learn something, you have to know something before you can... Really love it, yeah. and and everybody should love our government. And, and if they knew what it was, if they read these things, if they read all the things that our founders did for us and the framers did for us, I mean, we are very privileged to be where we are today. I wish our I wish our government, I wish our legislators, our representatives would read read this thing too.
1: Well, and they take a vow to protect the Constitution, but man, we see people just tromping all over it right now. But you know, we're Americans. And there is something unique about being an American. And this Battle of Trenton. When I took your class, uh, and you described the Battle of Trenton, um, I actually I don't recall ever learning about that.
0: Well, it, it's a really important thing, and it was a very big turning point in, in our history, and especially in the Revolutionary War. You know, we 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 terribly lost the battle. Of Long Island in New York, when when all the British came over, thirty thousand British come over, uh, you know, and, and attack us there, and it was a miracle that we escaped there. And so after Washington, and it was a escaped, miracle
1: of fog.
0: It was a miracle it, of providential fog, and- of wind, mm-hmm. of the ships, of it being so quiet and everybody doing things and nobody falling and making a noise that would alert the British that we were escaping. All of that happened, and the fog st- stayed it l- late into the morning. Mm-hmm. The, the breeze kept it there. And uh, the the water was still. How, how did all this happen? But the British couldn't run their ships up because mm-hmm. the wind was blowing against them, and so they couldn't go up the river with them. Very providential. All of these things were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then they got they got out of there, and then they started this long trek through New Jersey, first at White Plains of New York, and then going all the way down. And so the whole way down the British were pushing Washington, pushing Washington, pushing him. And he gets, you know, he keeps moving the guys around and he sends forward General Greene, to get the the boats and everything ready at the Delaware River. So when he gets there, his troops all get in the boats, and they've collected the boats all along the river. So there are no other boats. He gets all his troops in there, and he escapes right before the British get there. And so he's on the other side of the river. He's, he's on the, the on the Pennsylvania side. And so he, he's over there, and he's safe. And the British don't have any boats to get over and get him, and so he's pretty good. And then the the British decide that they're going to occupy all of New Jersey and they start up putting occupying all along the place and one of the big places is Trenton which is the the capital of New Jersey mm-hmm. and so the the troops are there uh, they've been beaten all the way there. They think, that, you know, the troops are getting ready to to uh, get out of their enlistment because of the first of the year. This is now December. He's in. It's winter time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what year is this? This is in 1776, but it's getting ready to turn to 1777. Okay. and all the the recruits are leaving. All their enlistments are up, and that's when he calls upon his good friend John Morris to come and bring. $10 worth of silver for every man to help him to reenlist. And he gives this passionate speech to him that, you know, the, the, everything depends upon you right now, and we can't quit now. We have to go forward. And so he... Debar- and and they,
1: some of them didn't have shoes. They didn't have I mean, shoes was at all.
0: It was very cold. The river was full of ice, and it was, it was a really treacherous crossing. He had four crossings planned that night, and he was the only one that got his troops across. And so they were one-fourth one of, of the force that went across. He went across, he started crossing at midnight because of all the storms and winds and stuff like that. It took them a longer time to get their boats and the horses over. And so he started late. He started the march late. And they marched all through the night and they got to Trenton in the morning. That was about 10 miles from where they crossed upriver to where they attacked. Uh, and so they attacked early in the morning, and they, and it was the morning after christmas and so maybe everybody else was sleeping and had a little partying, although they they swear that that really didn 't happen you know the, the, the German hessians said that, but anyway, he attacked, and it was a great victory. He lost very few people he it just i don 't think there wasn 't anybody killed on the American side. We almost lost our our our, our Coming up, our fifth president, James Monroe, was shot in the leg that night, and because James Monroe had been talking to the people around where he was in the Battle of Trenton, one of the one of the doctors that was out there was a neighbor came out and saved his life, stopped the bleeding in his leg and, and repaired him so that he could go on to finish the war and also be our fifth president. <laughs>
1: Astounding. And one other thing I think you said in the class is that the the patriots, there were they didn't have shoes. that it was so cold. there was ice. that if, in fact, the British wanted to follow them. They could have followed the blood in the
0: snow. In Washington did, did see that. You know, he saw the blood in the snow and he said that, you know, because they were, they were wrapping rags around their feet. A lot of them didn't have pants. You know, their, their jackets were very, were very threadbare uh, that, that they were wearing. And I mean, it was just crazy. And they kept on fighting. And then they got back. They had this great victory. They captured almost a 1,000 British uh, and they didn't treat them badly. The British, the I mean, the Hessians were afraid they were they were going to really treat them badly the way they had been treating the Americans. And, and George Washington wouldn't let his soldiers do that. They kept them and they treated them as prisoners of war. They took them into prisons and and they didn't they didn't mistreat them when they were doing that. Okay.
1: Well, this is fascinating. Uh, We are going to get to the Federalist Papers in this next segment. We need to go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Ben Martin is in studio. And uh, this last segment, we will focus a bit on the Federalist Papers, so stay tuned.
4: Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now, so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturts and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-888-2732.
1: Okay, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson where we are dissecting the issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We're having a conversation about the Federalist Papers. I have my good friend Ben Martin in studio with me. And hopefully this is whetting your appetite that you'd like to learn more. And if you would like to do that... We are offering Vino and Veritas, a study of the Federalist Papers, and Vino and Veritas Castle Rock opens this Sunday night. So if you are interested in getting more information, go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim, fill out the form, and we will get that information to you. It always goes way too quickly when you're here, Ben Martin, so we're going to have to have you back again. But uh, let's do talk a bit about the Federalist Papers. Last night, we went through Federalist 1 through 10. We were going to go through 14, but you know, there's so much information there. So let's talk about one through ten.
0: Well, one through fourteen, or that's the first segment. And when you look in, in number one, he gives an introduction, and then he gives an outline of what the Federalist Papers are. Hamilton does this, and so it, it, the first the first segment is called. and there, are five. There are actually uh, five segments or six segments that he as he breaks down his an outline. And this is the first segment, one through fourteen, and that is called utility of union. The utility of our union. And so I'd like to start it off. It says, so Federalist 1, Hamilton is welcoming his readers to one of the most significant deliberations in the history of the world. To prove something for a time because it cannot be done. If it cannot be done here in America, then it cannot be done. And that's what he's talking about, self-government. So he starts this whole thing off in the introductory The introductory passage is just fascinating, and I'd like to give that in, in verbatim here. It has been frequently remarked that it seems to have been reserved to the people of this country by their conduct and example to decide the important question, whether societies of men are really capable or not of establishing good government from reflection and choice, reflection and choice, that's really important, or whether they are forever destined to depend for their political constitutions on accident and force, now that is just that 's just a fascinating way mm-hmm. to introduce these things, mm-hmm. and then he goes on to talk about the the structure, the outline uh, the framework of where where he 's going to talk about all these things, and so he gives that too that 's also in the first of these uh, of these papers, and that's one of those that uh, I showed you last, last time I was here about what were the most important ones. And so in this section, six of these papers, six of these five, 14 papers are actually in the, the most important, some of the most important ones, the 22 important ones in the Federalist Papers. So it's really important. So we get, that's, that's one. Um, and I'm going to try to go fast so we can touch on these. And then we go into number two, and it concerns dangers from foreign force and influence. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about six. And, and that's more about, you know, we always talk about domestic mm-hmm. problems. And so that's in number six. And okay. this is in foreign forces. And it says, he starts this off, nothing is more certain the indispensable necessity of government. And it is equally undeniable that whenever and however it is instituted, the people must cede to it some of their natural rights in order to vest it over with requisite powers. Now, that's right from Mm -hmm. where is that from? That's right from the Constitution. You know, it says, okay, we have rights that come from the government, and we give certain powers to the government. I mean, the, the rights come from God and our Creator, and then... The, we give certain powers to the government as a people to constitute the government and so that the government can protect our rights. Got it. So it's a... So it's right it's there. It's very symbiotic. Oh, into, it, yeah. oh, yeah. It's actually... These things are so connected. So it uh, you know it says these things, and we... I'm just trying to go through this really fast. So that's concerning dangers from foreign forces. And it says Americans, it talks about the blessings of our union. And in, it, in Federalist 2, it says that Publius, Publius stresses that the Americans are already one united people, a people descended from the same ancestors, speaking the same language. You know, professing the same religions, attached to the same principles of government, very similar in their manners and opinions, and it just—it talks about how these are so important for us. And then at the back, it says the summary of this has taken place in our countries whose situations have borne. The nearest semblance to our own. What reason can we have to confide in those reveries which would seduce us into an expectation of peace and cordiality between the members of present confederacy in a state of separation? So he's given the big argument that we have that the only way we can prosper is to stay together as a union,
1: and that's very relevant to today. With all the divisiveness that we have, with we have this professor from CU Denver. Who who is basically pushing divisiveness is not being honest about curriculum, and it is dividing us. And even even here in the Federalist Papers, it talks about if we don't stay united. Lincoln also said we need to stay united. It's biblical uh, because a house divided against itself will fall. Will so, fall. Yeah, go ahead.
0: So then we go, I'm going to go, I'm going to switch over to number nine, because nine and ten you have to take together. And nine was written by Hamilton, and ten was written by Madison. But boy, I mean, you cannot tell which writer is which, you know, because they it just sounds like the same writer, and that was their intent, was that the people would know that there was one voice, it was Publius. And these are certainly a, a great example of it. So in, in nine, number nine, Publius maintains that he, that an um, an improved science of politics provides a cure for the rapid succession of revelations, of revolutions, I'm sorry, which plague the petty republics of Greece and Italy. Because they keep looking back at history, you know, to show examples. They don't just come out of their mind. What a
1: novel idea to look at history to see what was successful.
0: And what wasn't. Imagine that. that. uh, And so, and kept them perpetually vibrating between the extremes of tyranny and anarchy you know it goes back and forth especially anarchists think that they'll overthrow the government and then it'll all be smooth but when you overthrow the government with anarchy Tyranny comes next. It doesn't you don't get you don't get liberty. And then he had to conquer Montesquieu in this because Montesquieu was the was a person that all of our framers spoke most Mm -hmm. of referred to when they were doing when they were framing the Constitution. And Montesquieu had said, you know, a large republic cannot exist. It has to be a small republic or a small Democracy. So he's saying, no, we can change this because we have come up with a new science of government. And he talks about those improvements in the science of politics. He mentions the doctrines of separation of powers, the legislative balances and checks, judicial independence, all of these things that we'll talk about later. And he'll talk about Mm -hmm. later in the federal legislative representation instead of a direct democracy. And, uh, because a
1: direct democracy basically is a, can be a mob.
0: Can be a mob, mm-hmm. as we talk, as in, we'll talk about that in 55. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that again. Uh, what, but he says, okay, so, and he talks about the extended sphere as being the most important part of this new science of government. And what he's saying is if we extend the sphere, then we bring in more people, more sex, more ideas, you know, more philosophy, more interest. And he says when you do that, you it's really hard for there to be a tyranny of the majority.
1: Wow, okay. Well, hey, you know what? this has gone quickly it always does we, i hope you'll come back and let's talk some more about this
0: i will and we can go on to the to the next segment but this is so important and then ten just goes on and it talks more about that about faction and about because faction has always been the big boogaboo and we figure out how to do it with this new form of government, okay. this extension of the sphere, separation of powers, federalism, which, which we talk about in there, too. Well,
1: fantastic. So, Ben Martin, we will have you back. And James Madison, fourth president of the United States, said, we are right to take alarm at the first experiment upon our liberties." So this is Kim Munson today. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically Strive for high ideals and like Superman stand for truth, justice and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you. God bless America.
3: And I to cry, but tell